Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from James chapter 1, verses 2 through 12. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position, because he will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Beth. And thank you, Luciana, for that children's story. Uh, everything she said is spot on. Um, we, love, we love scripture because it's, it's life, and uh, I hope we see that this morning. So let's pray together as we look at the Bible. Loving God, you provide for our every need. You feed our bodies and our souls, and yet we hunger to know and love you more and more. Nourish us with your word today. Through Jesus Christ and in the power of Holy Spirit, we pray these things. Amen. Well, if you've been with us for a couple of weeks, you've noticed that we keep reading the same thing over and over and over. Have you noticed that? And we just tack on a little bit more at the end of the reading each week. Uh, We're in a series where we are taking our time uh, slowly but surely and milking Uh, as much meaning as we can out of the New Testament book of James. Now, James had written this letter to Christians, to early Christians, and a lot of people who read James, and you may read James, and think, this seems really random. Like, he starts here, and then he goes here. By the way, I love having, I miss having the choir behind me uh, pre-COVID, so, like, this just feels right. Um, James is, is like here and then here, and everything seems random and disconnected. And one of the things we're doing is we're looking for the connections because it's not random. Everything works together. And so I hope that as we keep reading the same text over and over, it sinks into our bones and we start seeing how unified and beautiful Scripture can be. This morning, we're really just looking. If you look in the bulletin, it's separated into four chunks, four paragraphs. We're just looking at the last one. And it's just one verse. James chapter 1, verse 12, which is both kind of a conclusion to the verses that came before it and an introduction to what's coming after it. We've been think, spending a lot of time thinking about suffering. James starts the book, I mean, flat out. He's just blunt. And he says, consider it pure joy, joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Now, most of us don't think of joy when we're facing trials. I know I don't, and you probably don't either. And we spent a lot of time thinking through how does that work. This morning, James is going to recap that a little bit, and then he's going to give us one more better reason for joy. 
We're going to see the the blessedness. We're going to talk about blessing of resilience now. We're going to talk about a better blessing that is to come, and then we're going to look for the power. Where Where does the power to do this come from? Where does the power to persevere come from? Listen to how he starts in verse 12. Blessed, I'm going to try to say blessed instead of blessed, because when we hear blessed, you know, we kind of think the angelic, and it feels very distant. Um, Blessed. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Again, there's some dissonance going on, because when you're going through a trial, you probably don't feel very blessed. The way we use the word blessing today is opposite what James is talking about. We use blessed um, like five, five or so years ago, if you follow things on social media, it was very popular to call out people for their humble brags. Do you remember humble brags, any of you? So, oh man, I'm so blessed that I got a raise or a promotion at work. Well, you're not, you're not being humble. You're actually bragging. You just use the word blessed to sound humble. I'm so blessed that I got to take this great vacation. I'm so blessed that I was the valedictorian of my class, or I'm so blessed that, and it's not that those things aren't good and aren't blessings, but when we think of blessing, we think just good, 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 good. When things are going well, I'm blessed, and when things aren't going well, I must not be blessed. Something must be wrong. Listen to how James uses the word, blessed is the one, the person who perseveres under trial. I don't think I'm very blessed when I'm going through a trial. What does he mean, by the way, by that? By the way, James is not alone. Jesus uses the same language. If this structure, if this word pattern sounds familiar, it's because Jesus uses the exact same structure in Matthew 5, a very famous verse. I'll just read a little bit of it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Again, when you hear poor in spirit, you probably don't think blessed. When you think mourning and grieving, you probably don't think of blessing. But clearly, James and Jesus, and we believe James is Jesus' brother, they mean something a little differently by the word blessed than we do when we think I'm just so blessed that everything is going so well for me right now. What do they mean by that? If you look at the word, the Greek word for blessed, it can, it can be translated as happy. Now, that's even more jarring, and I don't think it's a, great, it's a great word to use because the connotation for happy that we use is, is circumstantial. Something good happened to me, and therefore I'm happy. Or, or you might think, well, somebody's just kind of a happy person. It's something that's internal, but it's very surface level. Some, maybe, maybe a better word is to think of, of blessing as kind of a fortune or almost an inheritance. Several biblical authors use the language for inheritance. That's helpful. That's more helpful, at least for me, because if you think about an inheritance, it's, it's kind of yours, but it's not yours yet. So you can look, you can kind of look forward to it, you know, but it's not, it's, you, you can't take hold of it yet. It's, it's still kind of abstract, and yet you know, if you know you have an inheritance, then even if things are hard right now, let's say financially, you can sleep a little bit easier knowing, okay, think, things might, things will probably pan out someday. And like an inheritance, a blessing comes from somebody. It's external. In this case, blessing comes from God. Blessed 
we would add, by God, James says, is the one who endures a trial. Not blessed is the person whose life makes for an awesome Instagram feed. Not blessed is the ones whose kids get great, respectable jobs and really make something of themselves. No, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. In the past few years, we've seen this. James has kind of been talking about this. And if you've been with us over the past few weeks, did I say years? I meant weeks. In the past few weeks, we've, we've been looking at how do we find blessing in suffering? And it's possible. James has explained that when we approach our trials with wisdom, with a godly perspective, it develops perseverance, and perseverance grows into Christian maturity. And, and really, you could make the case that James's letter is all about maturity. How do I grow mature in my faith? How do I not just have a childish or a weak or an immature faith? But how can my faith grow stronger, more robust? How can it grow? And James says maybe the best way is to suffer. <laughs> how encouraging is that? When we're able to suffer well in this world, we become blessed. But suffering well is, I mean, let's face it, it's very unusual. We've gotten a really good picture of suffering in the past year and a half. And COVID-19 is really, it's really, in, in some ways, from my standpoint, it's really revealed how well or not we suffer, hasn't it? It's revealed our character and our priorities and how resilient we are or aren't. I was listening just this week to an interview uh, with a physician. She's a physician, uh, and she I think she began serving uh, at a hospital in New York City in January 2020. Good timing. And so she was describing her experience, especially in March, April, and May, serving at a hospital in New York City. And you remember the headlines and how bad it was there and how they had brought in dozens and dozens of refrigerator trucks because they had run out of space in morgues. Here's what she said in this interview. She's a Christian. She said, on some level, we've deceived ourselves into thinking we can escape our mortality. And for the last hundred years in the U.S., at any rate, medicine has become so powerful and so successful that we really haven't had to spend much time thinking about our finitude. And yet, in an earlier era, era pretty much any time before the last hundred years, whether it was famine or plague or pestilence or war, she said every few years something was ravaging a population and people lived knowing that life is so precarious. They understood this much better than we know this now. You see what she's getting at? She says in earlier times, people suffered more. You had a lot more to be worried about if you lived 100 years ago than you have to be worried about now. And yet, 100 years ago and before, people were much more able to reckon with their fragility, with the fact that life is fleeting. We talked about that last week. We have suffered less, medically speaking, especially. And so when something new threatens us, like a virus, we're we're actually much less able to, to deal with it emotionally, socially. Like, COVID has left so many of us just paralyzed, hasn't it? You see? When you suffer, when you suffer wisely especially, you learn to persevere. And as you learn to persevere, you become more mature. 
And conversely, if you look at the opposite side of that coin, if you work to eliminate suffering from your life, if your life is about eliminating suffering, you do so at the expense of your own maturity. At the expense of your own, you become less resilient. Athletes know this. They subject themselves to resistance, to suffering. Why? Because it makes them stronger. There is a present blessed, blessedness, <laughs> blessedness of suffering, of enduring, which is that we grow stronger and we grow more mature. Blessed is the one who endures a trial, James says. You become more resilient, more mature. You learn to persevere. As we talked about two weeks ago, you, get, you have ballast in your life. But then James turns the tables and he starts talking about another reward. If there's blessing in this life, he says, that's good and well, and there's actually more blessing to come. There's a greater reward. Listen to how he calls it. Blessed is the man who perseveres under a trial because when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. When he has stood the test, or she, when they, let's use a gender neutral they, when they, English teachers are going to hate me for that, when they have stood the test, they will receive a crown of life that God has promised to show them. Now, the word for crown there, it's used less often for a, a, a king's crown, you know, like a glittering gold crown. It's used more often to describe uh, in ancient Greece, in the Olympics, if you won an event, you didn't get a gold medal, you got a crown. It was a laurel wreath. And that, the same word is a, is a crown. So it's less about something you're, it's not about something you're born into. The crown of life is not something that you deserve. It's something that, that comes through perseverance and through struggle. Now that might rub you just a little bit the wrong way. Protestant, for, if you're Protestant especially, that's going to rub you a little bit the wrong way because James is teaching there is a reward, a reward for suffering and enduring in this life, which is life forever. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, I thought our faith was about grace. I thought grace was free. I thought you couldn't do anything. I thought it wasn't about rewards. I thought, let's just let Scripture challenge us a little bit here. Consider what Jesus says in Matthew 5. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now, let's be clear. Jesus says because of me, not just because you're difficult to get along with, but because of me. Blessed are you when people falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Even Jesus says there is a reward somehow for enduring suffering. Paul says as much in Philippians 3. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. What is a prize? It's a reward for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, there's some mystery. We don't know exactly what he means by this reward. Is it something over and above? We find some help in remembering this, that James is writing to people who are already Christians. So in some sense, their future is secure. So we find comfort. Listen to how, um, for my money, the most helpful scholar I've found on the book of James right now is a woman named Miriam, I think she pronounces Miriam Camel. Uh, here's how she said it. Even when believers, so Christians, perceive nothing good coming from affliction in this life, even when you perceive nothing good coming from your afflictions in this life, they can look forward to a magnificent eternal compensation 
for their suffering. When you persevere through suffering, even if you're never vindicated in this life, even if you never get to the far side of suffering in this life, even if you die in the middle of your struggles, you enter the next life knowing, in some sense, it was worth it. Why? Because there's a reward. I use this um, example comes to mind. I use it hesitantly because I can't speak from firsthand experience. So I'm just going to hedge myself by saying, I wonder. I wonder if it's a little bit like childbirth. The excruciating pain, like absolutely unbearable, I cannot take this anymore pain of childbirth. And yet when it's done and you're holding your baby in your arms for the first time, so I've been told, like you just forget. It was worth it. It was worth it because it's over, right? This is comforting. This is incredibly comforting. This is going to sound depressing, but but I want to show you why this is actually really good news. There are some Christians, there are some of you in here who are suffering. It could be physical, it could be an illness, it could be mental, it could be emotional, it could be some neurons are misfiring. I don't know what it is. It could be family stuff. And, and in this life, it will never resolve. Chris, I thought you said you were going to give us good news. How do you get through that? You only get through that if you realize there is a life beyond this one, there is a reward, and it's called the crown of life. When you see the reward, you're able to persevere, press on in this life. Don't give up, because the crown of life is for those who persevere, James says. I saw this illustration once. It stuck with me. I want to, um, maybe it'll stick with you. Preacher showed it to me. Can you see this? I, I tried to find a thicker rope. Everybody see this? This is, this is time, right? And the black, you see the black part of, of the rope, these like three inches? This is your life, right? So that's when you were born, and that's, that's when you die. If you're a Christian, this, this is eternity. So, so you're, where are you? You're here, here? I don't know where you are. Maybe you're here. Maybe, maybe you're there. I mean, we don't know. <laughs> Where are you in this? And in this, when you suffer, like, it's just unbearable. I just, I just don't know. So what does James say? Look to the crown of life. Look to what? Look to this. And look to this. You see? And look to this. And it just, how, it, it just keeps going and going and going. And, and it never stops. This is the, if this is the crown of life, and it just you see, never ends. I mean, the rope will end, but the crown doesn't. If this is the crown of life, can you endure through that? Can you? Persevere. Because it's this, and you're, you're probably here. We don't, and you've got all of this to look forward to. You see that? Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because when they've stood the test, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. There is a crown. There's a reward. Not just in this life, but in the next that never, ever, ever, ever ends. That's good and well. 
And that's helpful. But I'm, I'm going to give you one more piece of depressing news, which is even, even trying to hold eternity in view won't keep you persevering forever. Like at some point, you hit a limit. Because as compelling as it is, like we just, it's still abstract, and all we know is this life, and we can't fathom what the next life will be like. The scripture tells us, God says it's, it's going to be like incredibly better than you can possibly imagine, but it's still abstract. You can't sink your teeth into that, and you, you feel your present suffering. And so at some point, that eternal perspective, it's helpful, but it, it won't get you all the way. What do you do then? How do you find the power, the true power, to persevere? James tells us, he says, God has promised the crown of life to whom? If you have your Bible open or in the bulletin, who's it for? To those who love him. To those who love him. The the power to persevere, it doesn't come from grit. It comes from love. We talk about endurance and perseverance. We expect to hear, we, we expect, okay, it's going to be about hard work. I need to I need just grit my teeth. I need to buckle down. I just need to get through it. I, whatever, right? Angela Duckworth wrote that, wrote that great book about grit a few years back. We hear about stick-to-itiveness. Just stick it out. Just, and if we're honest, many of us probably expect James to say, okay, there's a crown of life to those who endure, so just stick it out. That's not what he says. He says the crown of life is for who? For those who love him. For those who love him. Why? Because put plain and simple, duty will not keep you following Jesus when it gets really hard. A sense of, res- of, of personal responsibility will fall short sooner or later. You may have the deepest sense of duty imaginable, and it'll work. It might work for a long time, but at some point, it will reach its limit. Then you need something more. James says it's love. Now I see this over and over in my work. In in my work, I I get a front row seat into the suffering of a lot of people. (laughs) And I see people who tend to view their faith as something that's just, it's the right thing to do. It's duty. It's responsibility. And when the going gets tough, I'm going to be up front with you, they wither. I see it time and time again. On the other hand, I see, I see people who just love Jesus. The word duty might never even enter their vocabulary. Thinking of one, one in particular right now, she, she's going through just an impossible, agonizing season. We were talking, we met just this week, and we were talking, and I asked her, How's, how are things going? And Right off the bat, she's, she's very honest, which I appreciate. She, she said, you know, they're not going well. We had a long conversation about it. And she shared more about what's going on, and she, she wasn't kidding. They're not going well. And we prayed together before we left, and I always, when I'm visiting with somebody or meeting with some, we pray together, and, and um, I just ask, can I pray for you? And I finished praying for her. And then she, she prayed. And I love this. I don't ask people to pray, but when they do, it's just really sweet. You know what her first words were? This is somebody who's just going through hell. Very first words, how she started her prayer. Jesus, I just love you so much. You want to know how you persevere? That's how. That's how. It's not her sense of duty that helps her to persevere. It's her love. She, she loves Jesus. 
and she perseveres. And the beauty is this works both forwards and backwards. Like one builds up the other. So when you love Jesus, you persevere. And then the more you persevere, the more you grow to love Jesus. And then you persevere and you love. And it's this upward cycle that amplifies itself. Case in point, I'll show you how it works the other way. A good, 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 good friend of mine, uh, about five years ago, his mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And um, he, told me, uh, he told me that about five years ago, and then I think just a year or two ago, he said he was having a conversation with his dad about it. And he said, his dad told him, he said, you know, I, I had been praying for years. God, help me, to, help me to love your mother more. Like, just grow my love for your mother even deeper. And I never expected him to do it by giving her Alzheimer's. But for years, for five years, this man, John, gave his life to serving his wife. That's endurance, who had Alzheimer's, until he he died this July, literally in the middle of helping his wife get ready for church on Sunday morning. Like, how did God grow John Holbrook's love for his wife? Through his endurance. God, help me to love my wife more. And he gives her Alzheimer's. And yet he did. Now let's be clear, that endurance has to be rooted in love. It has to be rooted in his love for his wife. If it weren't, if it were just duty, sooner or later it, it grows into resentment or all sorts of different things. But you see, love produces endurance, which produces love, which produces endurance, but it has to start with love. It's an, express, it's an explicit promise. James uses the word promise. He said God has promised, he's promised the crown of life to those who persevere. Which means this, if you love God, a lot of people wonder, like, well, what happens and will I, can I persevere? And I don't, if you love God, you will persevere. He's promised. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to worry. But Chris, my faith is so weak. It doesn't matter. It's not about the strength of your faith. It's who do you love? So often, I, and, I, and I get the, the skepticism and the worry, and I have some of those same worries sometimes. So if you're wondering, like, what if I don't feel, what if I'm not sure I love God? What if I, I want to love God, but I'm not actually sure I do? What do I do then? Let me give you four quick answers. One, if you want to love God, but you're not sure you love God, you're on the right track. Second, God gives you the grace you need when you need it. We don't get to stockpile grace. <laughs> It'd be nice. So if you don't feel like you have that grace to endure, it, it, it's probably because you don't need that grace yet. And there may well come a time when you need it, and he will give it to you then. He's promised. It's a loose example. Um, the same principle applies in Luke 12, Jesus says this, when you're brought before synagogues and rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you'll defend yourselves or what you'll say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that moment what you should say. Same principle. So just like the Holy Spirit will give you the words you need in a moment of persecution, he will give you the grace to endure when you need the grace to endure. He gives you the grace you need when you need it. He's promised. Third, if you don't feel like you have that love, I, I want to love, I, I don't know, ask. God, I, I want to love you, and I don't know if I love you, but I, I want to. Help me to love you more. I'll tell you what, I can't think of a prayer that God wants to answer more than that. <laughs> pray that. That's a great, that's probably the best prayer you can pray. 
And last, you can't, you can't, you won't love God until you understand his love for you. In 1 John 4, John helps shed some light on it in this way. He says very plainly, John is like James. They're both, both pretty point blank. Uh, love comes from God. So everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not, listen to this, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And he skips down a little bit later and says, we love, this is a great summary, we love because he first loved us. You will not, hear me clearly here, you will not, you cannot love God without appreciating and understanding and reckoning at some level, even if it's a very basic level, with the fact that he loves you more than you dare hope. He loves you so much. He endured, and we're talking about love and endurance. Who endured a trial for the sake of love? Jesus. Out of love. You see? What was the cross if not an incredible trial? What did the cross demand of Jesus if not incredible endurance? If he didn't have the endurance, he would have got off the cross. He was God. He could have done it. But he stayed on and he suffered unto death. He endured. He was never vindicated. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. See, so we endure out of love for him because he endured out of love for you. We read it earlier in the service. God shows his, Romans 5, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, not before you cleaned up your act, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before you had done anything for God, before you had done anything for God, he gave his life for you. That's love. If you don't tap into that, you'll never know what love is. I said earlier that some Christians will die without being vindicated, without seeing an end to their suffering in this life. Friends, Jesus died without being vindicated. Jesus never knew justice. He's the only person in the world who never sinned. Justice demands that he's the only person in the world who should have never died. He died and was never vindicated. He endured. And on the third day, he rose again with, from the dead and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. We recite those words every month before the Lord's Supper. You see? There may or may not be the vindication we want in this life, but in the next, there is a crown of life for those who love him. There's a reward. So press on. Persevere. Not because you're gritting your way through it, not because you're tough enough, but because Jesus' love compels you and you know no other way. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Blessed is the one, blessed, who perseveres under trial. Because when they have stood the test, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Let's pray. Lord, I'm almost afraid to pray it, but bless us. 
bless us. I'm afraid, of course, because I <laughs> a lot of times your, your math in blessing doesn't, doesn't look like the math we want it to look like. But bless us. Help us to endure and persevere. Give us love. Give us the love that it takes to persevere and to endure. Not because we're good enough, but because you're good enough. Above all else, fill us with love. Fill us with love. Let us persevere and let us taste the blessing of being sons and daughters of the Most High. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.